Jaguars. Jaguars. <laughs> Please let the Chargers make the playoffs so they can take on the Jaguars. And when I broadcast the game, will you say it? I will. I will. Welcome to Week 17. It is the last week of the regular season, Game Theory and Money Podcast. If you are just checking in, just in time for the final contest of the 2017 campaign, well, uh, if you're not aware, this podcast revolves around Cynthia Freeland and her predictive analytics and her advanced degrees and her unique simulation to, well, her and her alone. Uh, 10,000 simulations per game project what is going to happen this coming week uh, and let you know whether or not you got to waste your time on Sunday even paying attention to the games. The NFL playoffs essentially start now, and that's why the schedule looks like what it should look like every Sunday, which is split the darn schedule in half. Give me half the games at 1 p.m., slash 10, 10 a.m. Pacific time, and then the other half at 4 p.m. slash 1 p.m. Pacific time, uh, instead of just a smattering, two or three. I, I, I don't get why this is it. Huh? How many quad boxes are we going to get? That's what I mean. It's going to be great. Hansen. Like, that's the thing. Red Zone is, is, is a fantastic revelation. The advent of Red Zone obviously mm-hmm. changed football, but when the afternoon games come around and, and there's Scott or Andrew and they're just kind of kicking around two or three games, you're like, well, I'm kind of done with this, you know? This is the way it should be, NFL. Come on. From now on, do this. Uh, so let's get right into it, Cynthia. Did I miss anything, by the way? I don't think so. All right. Oh, you did miss that we're not going anywhere. We're still here. Yeah, this for the playoffs. This is our last. No, no, no. We'll be here through the playoffs. This is just the last we're week of the regular season. We're going beyond that, just so you know. We are? Yeah. i got to look at my contract. <laughs> all right. Let's get things started because there is uh, the biggest of all the games because it will likely determine um, the fate of three different teams is the Titans – and they jog, the jag. <clears throat> See now, I guess it. The uh, the Jaguars. Listen, uh, Dick Stockton throws us off. Yeah, they play the Titans. Um, if the Titans win, they're in. It's that simple. If they defeat the Jaguars, and if they win, they will face the Jaguars. Now, if the Titans lose, there is an opportunity for either the Bills or the Chargers to get in. So, Cynthia, and why Jags don't you? The Jags don't change their seating. No, no matter they what. are they locked are into stuck. the three. Yes, they are the three. So they will play either the Titans, the Bills, or the Chargers based on the outcome of their game against the Titans, based on the outcome of the Chargers versus the Raiders and the Bills versus the Dolphins. I think the best way maybe to approach this, Cynthia, is who do the Jaguars want to play in Week One of the playoffs? So I took a look at all of the different opportunities, and I really don't have strong odds for the Bills to make it past this week. So I think maybe the Bills would be the best option. But between the Titans and the Chargers, which have almost equal odds of making it to the playoffs per my simulations, the Titans are a better, and I mean better if you're a Jags fan. Yeah, so it's, it's the a, best matchup. It's the best matchup for them. But I do want to point out that they, they have had a three-week slide, the Titans, but their defense has kind of surprisingly like been doing better than we might imagine. So 16 sacks, which is the third most over the past four weeks. So three-week slide, but past four games is what I looked at here. They've scored a defensive touchdown, and they've overall for the season, the Titans have given up the second fewest big plays per game. So 4.3 is the average. That's runs of 10-plus, passes of 20-plus. So if we see more turnover-prone Blake Bortles, that could project to be a problem, especially – if we, you know, if we, we don't, we're not going to see, it's very unlikely that in this game, the Jags and Titans, we see what the Jags really have cooking up for the playoffs. If the Titans or the Bills made it, they would be the only team in the postseason with a negative point differential. And I know blowouts play into that for sure, but when you have a 16-game slate, right. you ought to have blown somebody out as well in order to balance that out. And, and that's why when I look at the Bills at a minus 63, the Titans at a minus 27, Compared to the Chargers, who are a plus 63, have Chargers one of the best defenses. Really, the Chargers are really scary. Yeah, I don't know why the Jags wouldn't just lay down and, and play lie, the game of, lie down? hey. Like a cat? Like a big cat? Yes, they would lie down, right? Because they're, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but then you would say, are they lying in wait and ready to pounce? <laughs> um, so I'd, if I were Doug Marone, I would be content to play my starters the first half and then just say, you know what? We just decided we were going to play it safe and, and kind of let the, the Titans beat them and, and face them. Next We've week. seen Doug Marone make some interesting calls, though. So he's not one that's easy to chart. So if you look at it, yes, it figures to be a very run heavy game script. It figures to be a, like, let's just like 
keep Blake Bortles in a very safe situation. Let's just try to minimize pressures. Let's try to like, you know, keep our O-line fresh. Let's try to get out of this one alive in that, you know, in the sense of not losing anyone on offense and especially on defense and just let our defense have some fun. So you're saying if you were if you were advising Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin and they mm-hmm. said we don't care about the regular season. We care about the playoffs. What should we do? You would advise them to. I would say heavy rotation of their the people who are so don't make their starters play the. But full I'm just complement. saying you would say lose. I would say like play a very vanilla game script. Don't worry about winning or losing. Don't don't have it be this ultra competitive. Like you're trying to pass in really p- horrible situations and get Blake Bortles' confidence rattled. Like let's keep it simple. Keep the game script simple. And if you lose, sub fine. in sub in some people to kind of get like keep everybody's no legs. Leonard Fournette. Right, like just keep everybody, sprain, keep everybody him. fresh and just rotate more often than normal and be com- comfortable with whatever happens, but keep the vanilla game script. And basically, Tennessee is in if they win. Right. Um, uh, in every single scenario as I'm going through, right. the if Ravens they win, and the Titans they both are control. in. Yes, yep. exactly. Are, the Ravens, however, you know, for it's those... A, it's a different story, but they, and they there can't are play a the couple, Jags. But. There are a couple paths where they lose. So, right. where, I mean, where they miss the playoffs. We'll get into that right, in a little right, bit. Right. All right, so there is your uh, Jaguars. Choose your own adventure usually i run into uh the abominable snowman when i choose my own adventure and it would terrify me as a child turn to page 47 right and then next thing you know, <laughs> oh, have to go to bed you're freaking out i thought reading was supposed to be good for me rivers in the shotgun diagnosing the coverage points to demario davis takes the snap looking to the right throwing middle of the end zone caught touchdown rivers to gates Let's get to the uh, AFC playoff odds and important <laughs> games. And as we look at the playoff odds, um, there's really only one little bit of wiggle room, and that is if the Patriots lose and the Steelers win. The right. number one seed flips, and we know if there's a rematch between the Steelers and the Patriots, it doesn't matter because the Patriots have beat them like 11 out of 13 times. So whatever. Um, but let's go through the rest of those playoff odds, Cynthia. And I, unless you want to go to the top and talk about Super Bowl odds as well with those nope. top teams. I think we can save Super Bowl odds for Kay. when they become. There's only really one point where the Super Bowl odds will become important, and I'll tell you that in a second. So obviously we're talking about the Ravens, Titans, Chargers, or Bills, and that's the order I have for who makes the playoffs. So Ravens, 95%. They're almost assuredly in. Titans, 43 and Chargers, 41%. So they're very close. Chargers just looking on the outside, looking in. And what I want to point out in this one, and maybe like you can kind of speak to this a little bit, is the difference in Super Bowl odds. So the Chargers have a 1.1% Super Bowl making it odd. That's real technical term right there. But that reflects that they're out of the playoffs in this scenario. Should they like somehow have been flip-flopped with Titans and, and were projected to be in right here, so if they win this game and they end up being in and the Titans lose, that Super Bowl, those Super Bowl odds jump up to like 2.2%. So it would be ahead of the Ravens They'd and the Chiefs. They'd be ahead of the Ravens of and the Chiefs, which is just a pretty interesting you know, something to note. And part of that is because this season, one of the most predictive things has been a consistent pass rush backed up with cornerbacks who are shut down corners, dirt balls for our sake. doesn't have to be that dramatic, but shut down corners, right? And then you have the the consistency in the offensive game. And Phillip Rivers had some up and down games. You can speak to this more. Yeah, when it's get really that just game. Kansas City. In the right. last seven weeks, it was one game. And for whatever reason, if you go through his history, he does not play the Chiefs well. No. Um, if they can miss the Chiefs in the playoffs, maybe it's the Chargers can have themselves. And, and I Keenan wonder. Allen is elite, by the way. And I wonder how much of that, um, and I know, or maybe you have plugged it in, I wonder how much of that uh, factors in that they really should have beat the Jaguars. I mean, in that contest, when you have two interceptions in the final two minutes and you're leading, you should win that game. Um, They had a missed field goal in there, so I don't know if that played into your model. It does. So when you lose on last-minute weird things, which the Chargers have done. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. So like the last decade. (laughs) Missed field goals or – like strange outcomes, something that is a like, should you have like, like the, if the possession arrow, let's we'll take basketball reference here, but had you had one more possession or had this one fluky thing that has a low probability of happening, had that not happened or a weird play call by someone else that ultimately changed something in the last few minutes of a game, like that does factor in because that's not, that's not very predictive. That's like volatility. And that volatility is like sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. Unfortunately, this year, the reason that they're out on the outside looking is because the volatility went the opposite way in a few games early in the season. But if of the things that are actually predictive, the Chargers are very good at those things. Yeah, my uh, well, we'll get to it when we get to the preview of, uh, <laughs> of Oakland and the Chargers. So uh, just to kind of go through 
the scenarios in the AFC, uh, like we said, the top four are locked. Three and four are 100% locked. If New England loses and Pittsburgh wins, the one and the two flip-flops. Um, the five and the six, though, for the most part, um, it's all Baltimore in the five. Um, and I will get into your preview for, for that particular game against the Bengals. Um, Tennessee and Buffalo have an opportunity to slide into the five based on what happens with the Ravens and the, uh, and the Bengals. And then the number six is just wide open, and we'll get to that each time when we get into each preview and explain. Actually, you know what? Why don't we just do it now? So Let's do it. Yeah, so the Pats clinch home field advantage with a win or a pit loss. Pitt clinches it with a win and a New England loss. The Ravens simply need to win. Now they can still clinch with a Buffalo loss or they can clinch with a Tennessee loss. They can go 9-7 and seven because their conference record is better than the Chargers, uh, so they will be in that way. Their worst-case scenario is – they lose, Buffalo wins, Tennessee wins, uh, and then they can get squeezed out. Um, so there is still a path for those wondering, ah, uh, maybe the Ravens don't care, they're already in, they'd rather play the Jags than the Chiefs. No, they cannot play that game. There is a path where they can lose, and because the NFL, again, God bless them, for putting all these games at the same time, you don't know what's happening, and you got to play to win. Tennessee, they got to win. Um, now, they can get in with a Buffalo loss and a Charger loss, but for the most part, they need to win the Chargers, they need, and this is where it really starts getting convoluted, the Chargers need, if the Buffalo Bills win, they need the Ravens to win. Um, and if Buffalo loses, then it doesn't matter what happens with the Ravens, but the one thing that is constant, they can't have the Titans win. If the Titans win, they are out. And finally, the Bills, they obviously need to win, and they need Baltimore to lose, or they need to win, and the Chargers and Tennessee You lose. did that masterfully. Hey. I've been uh, projecting it for the last three weeks because the Chargers have got these wacky That's scenarios to keep their season. Actually, the last two weeks since they lost to the Chiefs. So, is that it? You, I mean, right. I'm like in, I'm in awe. Nah. That was incredible. It's, uh, it's weeks, and it's um, maybe a little bit of an aid. All right, <laughs> let's get to uh, who is in, who is out. All the late games that have these playoff implications. We gave you a little bit of a preview, but why not focus on the big one because it really is kind of the key to the five and the six seed in the AFC, and that is – Jaguars versus the Titans. What do you got? With a whopping 51.7 confidence, I have Tennessee coming out on top 22-21. Now, how do you run the simulations percentage of, I guess, simulations with starters, without starters, with starters for a half? (laughs) How did you balance it all out? So I ran it with a lot of different variables. So, for example, if they play all their starters, that's kind of one, one sensitivity of it. And if they don't play any and if potential you know like kind of in between this sort of what have the game plan for the past four weeks what have we seen over the past four weeks what have we seen over the past season and kind of what rotations have we seen when they've been winning or when they've been losing these kind of like so basically all of the different matchups you've seen all of the different player personnel configurations on the field kind of run them in a percentage that could is the best guess based on Doug Marone's play calling ability or play calling tendencies in the past and the defensive coordinator too. Do you do you remember um, what happens if in fact they play all of their starters like it is a regular game that they need to win? Because you know you think back to Tom Coughlin last year and he just went through there or two years ago he went through that you know or, or whatever it was when they mm-hmm. played a meaningless game they were already in the playoffs he played all of his starters in week 17 and said he just believes and he seems like that kind of guy that that the integrity of the game is important and that he was going to play his guys so let's just assume that's the path they take and and we take Marone at his word we saw last week that the Jags their defensive pressure rate was cut in half they actually moved from second highest rate to third highest rate just from that San Francisco game alone they couldn't get consistent pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo we also saw them struggle blitzing which is something we didn't see them do for the majority of the season I mostly project them quote getting that right like working that out getting back to their like like use it as a way to like not have their last time on the field competitively be this situation where they weren't able to do the things that their defense is able to do so if they were to play all their starters like a regular game I have the Jags coming out on top I think don't quote me on this but I think it was like 24, 19, 18, so Seems about something right. like that. So a pretty like good-sized gap, good gap in your simulation. Yep. But but the point is, is I do think they're going to kind of get right. The pressure it does flag as something they need to, you know, it, it was one game, so it's like fluky, but let's get it back to like the normal Jags defense because they need that defense in order to buttress their offense. And the defense, there's a reason why they're called Saxonville. So, <laughs> yes, it took a one-week hiatus against Jimmy Garoppolo, who right. hung a 40 spot on him. Yep. Um, but Marcus Mariota has not been – this has been a bad year for him. 
It has. I mean, look at his numbers against the Blitz, right? Fourth worst passer rating when whenever an opposing team has rushed five or more. You know who's um, better than that? The Jay Jets. Cut Jay Cutler. Oh, Jay Cutler. Yeah. Is better or worse? Better. Okay. The only people worse are Kaiser, Simeon, and Hundley. That's pretty bad company. Yeah, that's not ideal at all. And the thing all. about the Jags is they don't have to rush five. No. They, they get there in four. <laughs> I mean, they and they get there in bunches uh, with four. With foul. I mean, you know, whether it's Fowler or Ngakwe or Campbell or Jack. I mean, they the get cool it from part, all angles. The low-key underrated thing about Calais Campbell that I would really love to point out is that in addition to being great with it, like, so we see him sack the quarterback. So you think passing down, uh-oh, there comes Calais Campbell, 14 and a half sacks, tied for second in the NFL. But I want to include his run stops on that. So if you look at like kind of his ability to be disruptive, both in the passing and the running game, he's top six if you include run stops into that number. So like, that's a really nice additional feature. He's always been of great. the Calais Campbell you know, model. Yeah, I mean, he has always been great uh, in that facet of the game. He just, you know, the mm-hmm. thing with Campbell is we just have never seen these sack numbers out of him. He's always been a sound, all around, you know, well-rounded defensive end, no question. Um, and this year, the got, sacks popped. Right. It helps when you have help. Right. Yes. <laughs> when you have Gotway and Jackson right. and Fowler and, and everything else happening on that defense. Yeah. My other note about Marcus Mariota, especially with that running, like we used to see Marcus Mariota run and scramble more often, and that's why the Calais Campbell note popped up. But I want to point out this his number against pressure. So ninth lowest passer rating every time he's been pressured for the entire season. That's not great. It's below average. It's 59.9, so about 60 passer rating. The NFL average is 53. If you remember, though, average includes, like, some people who are very bad at it. And so that his number being closer to that number is, like, that's just not what we've seen from Marcus Mariota. Like, that, it's it's surprising. I, uh... I would love to pick the Jaguars because I would love to go back to Jacksonville. I had such a grand time when we were there for a weekend in the regular season going to Dave & Buster's because it was the only thing that was open by the hotel. What about um, Bennigan's? Do they still Bennigan's down there? No Bennigan's. Um, just Dave & Buster's. I don't even know if Bennigan's still exists. Really? I mean, that was like We the, had one in, at home, and I like that's really That's what I mean. It, it was the fake ID hangout in Chicago when <laughs> I was growing up. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to go back and see my friends at Topgolf. Uh, oh, I love Top Golf. Yeah, the yeah. Jacksonville Top Golf is perhaps the finest Top Golf. Maybe if in I'm all ever in Jacksonville, they'll invite me to Top Golf. And I would, hey, I'll maybe, go there. Maybe you go preview this playoff game. Totally. Um, so, but uh, I get the sense that, as Bill and Ted once said, something's afoot at the Circle K, and the Circle <laughs> K is uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and the Jaguars would much rather face the Titans. So I'm going to pick the Titans to win this one. All right, let's go, Bills, Dolphins. Winner score. With a whopping 50.4% confidence, I have the Dolphins coming out on top, 23-22. It's very hard to – so th- both the the AFC did this weird thing. The AFC East is like uh, week on, week off, week on, week off. So you see like, you know, Bills play the Pats, then they have a week off, then they play them again, and then they do the same thing with the Dolphins. So they, you know, they face each other very closely again. The rematch is like two or three weeks apart at the most. So one of the things that flags in this is that the Bills, so first of all, they have the number 32 passing offense. So that's troubling, especially considering that, you know, you've seen an uptick in the cornerback play by the Miami Dolphins. They're the, the Miami Dolphins' cornerback play is actually in some ways a measuring like passer rating over the past four weeks, like one of the top six or five so that's pretty like a pretty big difference right um the other thing is that the bills defense is the lowest pressure percentage in the nfl for the season under six percent last week we saw against the patriots that number dipped under two percent they're just not bringing pressure so jay cutler can do well when he's not pressured Kenyon drake i'm going to call him a change of direction back not a change of speed back because nobody like runs around <laughs> left right left right i try to track him on the field right. like where are you going Do, are you where are you he's right? been great yeah and so that's i mean and the bills have the number 30 rushing defense so if you look at kind of recent strengths versus recent strengths and weaknesses versus weaknesses it seems to me like especially given that they're playing in miami potentially the you know the climate change isn't going to work for <laughs> for their in their favor no snow in this one uh, or else that would be very unlikely right um, so to me, that that kind of projects for a maybe this is the time Jay Cutler throws for 300 yards and we see him say farewell to. It'd be very Jay Cutler of him, right? Like he That's hasn't for thrown sure. for 300 all year. So uh, I, I I guess this is where the gut thing or the non-analytic observation comes in. I I don't like that the Bills have been kind of moaning about that call. It sucks. They got burned, no doubt about it. But man, have they spent a lot of time, and it almost 
It almost reminds me of uh, you made a basketball analogy. I'll make the baseball analogy. It almost reminds me of the Bartman game. Yeah. Where, okay, <laughs> it's game six. You are still tied. You still have a game seven at Wrigley Field, yet here is this team that is focused on this singular event that they feel as though cheated them out of the postseason. The Bills have kind of been doing that. Like, hey, this Calvin Benjamin touchdown, we would have been up by a touchdown, going into half, have our momentum. We win our ninth game. We're ready to break this 17-year playoff drought. And, man, did we get, you know, we were just on the wrong end of it. And it's been so much um, that that's the one thing that has me leaning in the Dolphins' direction, that they just feel like that was their shot and they blew it. At the same time, LaShawn McCoy has been pretty darn good um, as of late. And Tyrod went pretty Ty darn Rod, good, meaning like the, you know, number three in terms of percentage of team scrimmage yards yeah, for the year I mean, and like influencing game outcomes. He's got downs. his he's got his shake back, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he is one of the most elusive, slippery, hard to bring down backs. Um, and that combined, you know, I know you mentioned like that and everybody knocks Tyrod for the lack of deep passes. The guy's accurate. He's hard to bring down. I mean, I, I have no question in my mind he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere next year, whether that be with the Bills or somewhere else. And he's been playing better as of mm-hmm. late. I just think they're better than the Dolphins. You know, I, I feel and, – and, and because they have something to play for, uh, I'm taking the Bills. You know what? This was the Bills show of record uh, six, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago when people weren't into them yet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep yeah. our Bills – I mean, you have to pay attention to your simulations. I don't. Right. So I'm taking the Bills, darn it. One thing that I think is kind of a cool thing for Bills fans and, you know, people who are playing leagues where you can stash people for next year if you can get multiple people. One that might be like a, a sneaky upside guy next year is Deontay Thompson, the wide receiver. The last 25 of his 25 catchable passes he caught. I mean, it's, a, it's pretty cool. 25 25. Right. Uh, there hasn't been many bright spots in this passing offense for Buffalo this season, but maybe Deontay Thompson is one who next year, I mean, obviously we'd have no idea the configuration of a team. We have no, you know, these are all, these are speculation based on performance, but like, it seems like Deontay Thompson showed us something there. By the way, um, just speaking of the obvious uh, the turnovers, um, when the yeah. Bills don't turn the ball over, they win. And when you look <laughs> at their losses, even their turn, and they do take care of the ball. When when you look at their losses, their their turnover differential is a negative six. They turn the ball over six times against the Chargers. Right. So if you just take out that one game where Nathan Peterman played for a half, it's a team that really takes care of the football. They and when they do, do that, they win games. So I and suspect. the Dolphins are number th- thirty-two on third down. So, so that's another. I mean, you you you're hitting on good things. That's why. Right. I mean, obviously, fifty point four percent confidence is really strong confidence. Oh wait right. a minute, no, it's <laughs> a fifty-fifty game. I'll take the Bills. You take the the numbers. Take the Dolphins. Let's go the Bengals. Take the Dolphins. Ravens. This one should be easy. This one is easy. 75.9% confidence that the Baltimore Ravens come out on top. The projected score is 25 to 16. That's a big number for the simulation, nine yes. points. Yes. It sure is. Uh, so you're not buying the Bengals after they wrecked the Lions last week, huh? They're not playing for, for old Marv, sending Dear them out William, the right way. Dear William Jackson, yeah. thank you for being a dirtball against the Lions. Merry Christmas to me, a Lions fan. There you go. He was great. Bengals was cornerback. <laughs> I mean, look. We were talking about it earlier, and I can't believe you guys didn't know this nickname, the lie downs. Yeah. Like, that's what they do. Anyways, so. <laughs> Worst possible time. Just to break your heart on the holidays. Correct. Um, and it's, listen, I've been living with it now for however many Ever. years I've been alive. So, exactly. Um, Baltimore's defense is a main predictor of success, both in this matchup and going for- forward. I want to point out rookie corner Marlon Humphrey. He actually has the seventh best passer rating allowed, so seventh lowest passer rating allowed, which is hilarious because you know who's number eight? Jimmy Smith, the guy who he replaced. Lost, so yeah. It's kind of cool that he can step into this role. He's seen a lot more targets because Jimmy Smith is a shutdown corner. So the matchups are, you know, obviously a little bit different, but he's Marlon Humphrey has been excellent. I'm a big fan of that. The biggest problem in this matchup is going to be left tackle for the Bengals, Clint Bowling. It's a bad pass rushing matchup there. That left tackle has been a really hard situation for Andy Dalton to overcome this season. I'm looking at the uh, playoff scenarios right now. There are – and all you need is one, right? All you need is one. There are two different scenarios where the Ravens miss out on the playoffs altogether. If, in fact, they lose, the Titans win, and Buffalo wins, they are out. And if, in fact, uh, they lose – yeah, that's what it is. If they lose right. Tennessee and, and Buffalo win, they're out. So they have to win this game. Mm-hmm. So as much as they people want to say, ah, the Bengals are playing for Marv, they're going to close strong – 
they are nowhere near the team that the Ravens are, specifically when that offense has to go up against one of the best defenses. And if you're looking for a defense, I mean, look, they have 33 takeaways. That's the most in the yeah. NFL. Seven, plus 17 turnover differential, also number one in the NFL. It's very rare that the leader in turnover differential doesn't make the playoffs. It's like almost never happens. Yeah, and post, uh, post by, I'm just looking at this number now. This offense has been pretty good. They're scoring 30 points per game uh, in their last five games. So, yeah, people and, and have not been paying attention there. And you know who's doubled his deep ball passing receptions? I feel like there's only one per, oh receptions. Or how many people actually caught them? Who's that? That'd be Joe Flacco. Yeah. I was, oh, I thought you yeah, meant yeah, receptions. No, no, I was like, like well, he, I think it's kind of obvious no, his, because <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is running out there throwing the deep ball. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, a halfback option, and it's Alex Collins throwing them downfield. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're scoring 30 points per game in their last five. Speaking of Alex Collins, they have a great projection. So every so this week I tried to look for people who have 80 or more scrimmage yards. So it, for running backs, obviously, it's combined rushing and receiving and good touchdown odds. And Alex Collins comes up on my model based on that if you're looking for someone to play in fantasy. Yeah, who knew that uh, the Seahawks back should have been the one that they didn't cut? Uh, I'm with <laughs> you. I'll go Ravens. That's an easy one. They likely will find themselves. Well, they will. They win. They'll be the number five, and they will take on the Chiefs, and that is going to be a heck of a game. That offense versus that defense at Arrowhead in January is going to be a whole Ooh, it's gonna be lot of fun. Cold. All right, let's go Raiders Chargers. <laughs> with 70.5% confidence, I have the Chargers coming out on top 26-19. You happy like with it. that? Yeah. yeah I like it. Hey, it's Raider week. It's Raider. Knowing what I have to walk into on Sunday, I like it. That's for certain. I are you hashtag Raider week. Hashtag Raider week. Um. Okay. So Melvin Gordon and Keaton Allen both come up. Remember, I told you my eighty, my eighty plus scrimmage yards people. Both of them, the elite Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon. So and Melvin, by the way, with that high ankle sprain, uh, probable. So be careful. But I think it's okay. Still, still walking around, uh, protecting it, but said no question. He is going to go. And the fact that they didn't sign anyone or they haven't elevated right. Russell Hansborough off the practice the, the squad, signing, yeah. yeah, it's he's he's going to play. Um, I want to ask you about Bosa's lack of sacks for the past couple weeks. Do you think that's troubling. just a – It's been troubling. Yeah. I mean, I do you think it's a – so I, I went back and watched all of it, and I'm curious. I mean, you obviously have the ego. You are literally the mouthpiece that I listen to when I rewatch all of this. So – I mean, do you think it's just more like a facet of what? He's getting doubled, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're sending a tight end over there, but he was fighting through those at the he start was. of the season, yes. He was shaking them off. He was getting his sacks. What I noticed they did against the Jets um, is they their greatest success was when Ingram lined up next to him. Um, mm -hmm. And either Bosa played out wide or Ingram came outside of him. They were running stunts. He was running stunts inside with the tackle that he was shaded to. Um, and he was effective. I mean, he had, even though he didn't have a sack, he did have the hurries. Yes. The unnecessary roughness penalty he got was absolute BS. Um, and, and I know whatever you may say, I'm biased. But, man, he has had, and I think it's because he's so big and so violent um, in the way he His burst attacks. is crazy. Exactly. That the referees just inherently throw the flag. But, I mean, he hit Petty. While he was still in his throwing motion, and he was tagged for unnecessary roughness, and they said it was something with a shoulder dip or what. The man <laughs> is six dip. foot four, three hundred pounds, and <laughs> runs like a four four forty. What do you expect it to look like when right. he hits a quarterback? But um, yeah, I, I think I think the production is a little bit disconcerting. I do, um, and I think that's something that that Giff Smith is trying to figure out. I and think this is a get right game against that depleted O line, though, and yeah. I think we see a Bosa maybe even multiple sack day. The one thing the Raiders did against them. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even a three step drop. It was a step and a half and bang, that right. ball was Correct. gone for Derek Carr. Um so I would be very surprised if that wasn't the game plan again. Mm -hmm. Um also Philip Rivers with a three hundred yards average over, you know, the past seven games. That's something to plug into this game if you're looking for a fantasy quarterback. And they have for people that are just kind of recency biased saying, Well, he didn't have a good game against the Jets, that was by design. I mean, I have never seen Philip you know, give up more plays just knowing that his defense was there and the running game was there and he was not going to give that team a short field if he put the ball, you know, give them mm -hmm. an opportunity to have a turnover on a scoring end of the field. Uh, he still threw for 290 and a good completion percentage, but he was throwing balls away a lot easily more than any other Casey game. Casey Hayward pick, yes or no? Um, this one? Yeah, I think so because Carr is not good under – he has not been good under pressure. And that was always kind of the knock on him at Fresno State is if you got him off his spot, if you can get that pocket muddy, uh, it got a little shaky. I think coordinator has not done He's as good of a job this season at 
creating opportunities for Carr to succeed as yeah. in the past. He likely will end up as the scapegoat. If I were well. if I were consulting for the Raiders, I mean, obviously the one thing in the offseason that they need to address is turnovers and the 26 giveaways and 14 takeaways is so much different. That's minus 12. Last year they were plus 16, 14 giveaways, 30 takeaways. They won a lot of weird games last year. But it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I right. mean? Like if you fit like – I just think back to the Charger game last year when it was a botched snap on a field goal that they would have lost. I mean, they had like three or four, maybe even more of those You're games right. that had weird endings. Correct, but remember you have to kind of throw out the weird endings. But things like turnover differential and – especially you know takeaways versus like especially giveaways in this offense when you have a great o-line like they have that's really a big problem yeah well may it uh well i guess it wouldn't matter they need the titans to lose but raider week yes yeah, send those folks home sad because i've called a raider charger game in san diego before and my goodness <laughs> second and seven prescott is looking to throw has all kinds of time now throws it over there it's intercepted near side 20 15 10 Touchdown, Seahawks! Justin Coleman picks it off on the far side and runs untouched. A flag is down for, I think, excessive celebration, but a 33-yard interception return for a touchdown. Justin Coleman and the Seahawks take the lead 13-9. Well, you hear the uh, the Dak Prescott play there. We now get into the NFC playoff odds and important games that pick means the Seahawks still have a chance um, everything else is set one through five it's just that number six spot Cynthia that is up for grabs well it's not set in the order but the right the I mean as far as participants yes. right so the Falcons or Seahawks are really fighting for that last wild card spot I have the Falcons making it and I also have the Falcons um, with you know a decent Super Bowl odds however should the Seahawks win their game it should the scenario flip the Seahawks actually they would have better that better Super Bowl odds than what's reflected here so it's about it's under a percent but you have to remember that's because they're outside of looking in so here are and this is why this bodes well for the Seahawks right so the Seahawks obviously have to win they have to yes. beat the Cardinals yes. um which I think we all figure they will math loves it um we'll get into that they also need the Falcons to lose the good news for the Seahawks unlike the Chargers uh, and the Jags versus Titans, Panthers have a lot of motivation. They can move all the way up to the number two spot. Uh, the Panthers can clinch the NFC South with a win and a Saints loss, and they can clinch a bye with a win and a loss by the Saints and a loss by the Vikings and a loss by the Rams. Now, remember, the Rams are sitting starters, so you feel pretty good about the way the 49ers have been playing and Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan finishing this season strong. No Todd Gurley, no Jared Goff in that one. Minnesota um, this week obviously has something to play for. They you know, can lose the first round by if they lose. So they have motivation, and obviously the Saints have motivation because they would rather be at home for a wild card game as opposed to on the road. Um, so there's kind of your scenarios of how that that number six seed can play out and why with the Falcons needing to lose for the Seahawks to get in, the Panthers have a lot to play for. So I guess with that, uh, unless you want to go through Super Bowl odds, nope. let's get into it. Who's in, who's out? Panthers versus Falcons. What do we got? Ooh, the model thinks this one's very close. 51.4% confidence that Carolina will come out on top 24-23. That's that it's yeah. about as that's about as close. Well, I guess. Well, no, we had a 50. We did. Four, we had the so Miami and Bills. It's still but very tight. It's very tight. Um, So if you look to see, let's start like just based on the the Panthers defense, because they blitz the most in the NFL. Forty two point four percent of the time. Eleven takeaways. OK, so just under blitz conditions, 11 takeaways occurred during that 49 quarterback hits. You know, that's number three and 33 percent on third down when they blitz. So. That's kind of been one of the one of the ways that they've been getting teams off the field, get, keeping their offense on the field by their defense being so efficient. The problem is, is they've been giving up now big plays when they've blitzed in the past four games. So blitzing's been their staple. They've done it most in the NFL. And recently, people have been doing big plays to get around it. And we do know that there is a big play-making team that have inconsistent results. That would be Matt Ryan with Julio Jones or – Mohamed Sanu even in earlier games we've seen inconsistent results 
from Matt Ryan and company on offense. So the realistically, what in this one, it's it's very interesting. So if you look to see week nine when Carolina won twenty to seventeen, look at who Julio Jones lined up with. It's James Bradbury, and it it was not a like Julio Jones didn't. It, it wasn't. He hasn't a, been that good right. all season. But he's had now like he, that moment. He obviously attracts a lot of attention, but right. outside of his two hundred and fifty-three yard game against Tampa, it's been pretty okay. Man. It has not been. Yeah, it has not been Julio Jones elite. I'm better than Calvin Johnson ever was as a big, fast, super athletic wide receiver. I mean, that just hasn't been there this year. However, the problem is, is big players sometimes in big games in big situations they're gonna. I would. Imagine Dan Quinn figures out a way in this one to get Julio Jones a little bit more involved. Because, I mean, if you're going to throw the ball to someone, wouldn't you rather it be 50-50 ball, turns yeah. into an 80-20 ball? And for those, by the way, that, I hate. that are uh, <laughs> the, by those that are saying, well, it's at home. I mean, you know, it's different. It's Matt Ryan. It's on the turf. It's all that speed. They have not been good at home this year. I mean, they're just they're four and three at home. Um, I mean, I care more about the fact that he's been good against the blitz, and you know he has you know big plays when he's been blitzed, and that's what the that's what the Carolina Panthers are probably going to come with because that's what they've done most often. Like that's more predictive to me, like how he matches up in situations he's likely to see as opposed to you know the opposite. Also, want to point out with the Panthers defense. Um, top seven in pressure percentage. Kalon Short, shout out. He doesn't get much love, I don't think. He's no, he doesn't. I don't think he does, but he deserves it. He sure. definitely does. So that's going to be an interesting problem between him and Luke Keighley to establish the run for the Falcons. So Devontae Freeman, like Tevin Coleman, that's one of the ways that they that the Falcons really like operate best. So and also both of those things taken together drive my projection for Matt Ryan of 290, two touchdowns, and an interception. However, one of those touchdowns is likely to go to Julio Jones. We'll take it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm okay. with you. I think there is something about, you know, big players, big games. Uh, there's so much talent on that Falcons team on both sides of the ball. And it's just – it's been a weird season. I just kind of get the feeling that, you know what, get it together here. And, and I think they – you know, you get it – they'll have another NFC South likely opponent yep. in the, the first round of the playoffs. And they'll have that, you know, proverbial – well, it's not proverbial, but – the, well, it's hard to beat a team. Oh three God, times. I, that's know, one gonna, of the other things that I hate. We're gonna hear it. Um, my other thing, though, the one thing that flags is interesting is that the Panthers have been like quote doing things improbably and still yeah, winning. Yeah, I mean, Cam's had bad games. Bad and they've games. won. And like he's had to carry the team, and literally. the defense has been bad, <laughs> and they've won. Right. I mean, yeah, like, so that's and that's like even last week. So if you look at what happened against Tampa Bay, they only averaged three point seven yards per rush. That's not like no. Like helpful. Cam at all. did not have a good game. No, it and was, they still managed they, to win. It's the defense, that right? Came. And well, I guess right. maybe Obviously that's six sacks, tons of pressure, special teams touchdown. I mean. Those things all help. So maybe I'm going <laughs> to change because that's usually the sign of a really good team. Is like is whatever crap happens, and then you yeah, overcome it. And whatever that's, unit and that's has what to pick drives up the slack. this. Yeah, and that also makes them more dangerous in in the Super Bowl. To, in Super Bowl. All right, odds I've changed too. my mind. I'm taking the Panthers. <laughs> I'm shifting. I'm going to the Panthers. Uh, all right, the impact of that game, the outcome of that game, should the Panthers win? then plays into our next preview, which is, can we get the Seahawks into the playoffs? Cardinals-Seahawks, winner score. With 68.5% confidence, the Seahawks come out on top. Projected score of 25-17. to 17. You know what? Scratch it out, Gennaro. I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going to the Falcons, and here's why. Before we move on. I know you want me to move on. Just hear me out. <laughs> here's the way this works, right? How do you bank? Because you look at the NFC. It's wide open. Right? You got Nick Foles quarterbacking the Eagles. Are we really buying Case Keenum and the Vikings, no matter how good that defense is? I mean, Dalvin Cook is down. They're leaning on Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. That's not that dumb. I mean, the Panthers are good. The Saints are good. But what if the way to truly expunge a 28-3 to lead from your history is to sneak in as the six and make a run all the way back to the big game as the Falcons? I'm taking the Falcons. <laughs> all right. Right? That's the narrative I that mean, we want. I'm not going to lie. 28 to 3, 28 to Shmi. We're coming into the we're coming into the playoffs as the 6 seed we, and we're taking it all the way to Minnesota. We. That's right. <laughs> I'm uh I'm embodying my Dan Quinn right now. That's what or maybe I'm Arthur. I'm more like Arthur Blank. So I'm, I'm going to tell you my guy. I'm going to tell you my Dan Quinn story Please. very very quickly. Please. Um I felt really lucky when I was standing on the field in the, ahead of the Super Bowl. It, like I, like I literally cried. I was, I felt very grateful, and I was holding shoes in my hands. And I have one pair of fancy shoes that have red bottoms, and they're black on the top. Tiny, 
Oh, I have tiny fancy shoes because I have really small feet. Baby feet. When we say baby feet, (laughs) Cynthia still shops in the kids section for shoes. I'm not kidding. No, it's actually very true. I can wear a kid size four. See? Um, Anyways, long story short, I'm holding these shoes and I have tears coming down my eyes and I'm like filled with gratitude. And Dan Quinn, who's like very military-like, comes walking down the tunnel and I'm like, like embarrassed and like whatever. I'm like, oh, you know, congratulations on making it. You know, it's nice. And he's like, he goes, Cynthia. I'm glad to see you have the right color shoes on. Now, what this was last Super Bowl? Yeah, right at the beginning of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, oh, at the beginning. Right before. I was gonna say. No, no, no. Before. If I saw him coming at me after the game, I just run. No, I no. Just this turn was before. Run. This was before the you. pregame show. Before anything, I just was. I Wearing was having red. like very, a very nice. By the moment. way, in the world of of the media, Cynthia, it was a poor choice by you. You should have worn a neutral color. Can't wear a team my color. Shoe, the bottom you're of my working, shoes. You're working. They're, the Patriots have red in their colors Doesn't too. Matter. And it was the bottom of my Doesn't shoes. Doesn't matter. You should have worn all green. These is blood so shoes. Worn, yes. All right. So Cardinal Seahawks. Now that I've <laughs> wasted our time, taking <laughs> no, us on a it. tangent. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So Seahawks. They've played 245 pressure plays under pressure. That'd be Russell Wilson. That's more than 40 from the next closest person. Which, by the way, Texans then Browns. I mean, th- that's worse than uh, – it's just amazing to me that it's been that bad and they've sustained being that bad. They haven't figured out a way to, you know, prevent Russell Wilson from being under pressure. 34 big plays, which is 10 more from the next closest. Been sacked 40 times. That's the 11th most. And the Arizona defense, most points per game allowed when they bring pressure. So even if Arizona brings pressure, there's a good chance Russell Wilson will overcome it with his big plays, his ability to get out of pressure. Every time they brought pressure, they've allowed opposing teams to score 4.4 points. That's the most of that. That's crazy. What I have to add to this is for shame on all of you folks that are going hard after the cards and Bruce Arians. When you think, I mean, last season we were having this conversation that we're having about Russell Wilson right now about David Johnson. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what percentage of the offense he was, the amount of touches, the amount of yards, yes. the amount of receiving yes. yards, the amount of yards. Like, he was Russell Wilson last year. Like, my God, this David Johnson is remarkable. The, the amount of offense that he produces for this team. They lost him in the first quarter of the first game. Carson Palmer goes down. The team is 7-8. and eight. I mean, they have a chance right. to finish at 8-8 eight and eight without David Johnson, without Carson Palmer. And everyone's talking about running Bruce Arians out of town. I mean, first of all, the best part about Bruce Arians is that him and his grandson have matching hats. That's the best part. I was thinking other things, but okay. The second part is that he's an awesome coach, and this is a very underrated situation. It, like, you lose David Johnson. I mean, imagine if you lost Todd Gurley. You know, like, that's right. the kind of production we're talking about. Or Lev Bell. Like, someone like that. Like, you know, this is this is a big deal. But you still have Larry Fitzgerald, who's one of those people that has flagged my model as a potential that you should play in fantasy if you're looking for that with the 80-plus and a touchdown. Retire. He can't. He's too yeah. good. He's too tight. Look at last week. Guy had a huge game last week again. Our next-gen stats people provided me with this tight window catches. So um, Larry Fitzgerald leads the league in tight window catches, like very close. So I, I can't remember the exact amount of, like, this. it's two feet or something, something less, very close. And two inches. Two inches. <laughs> faces the Seahawks defense that's allowed the most tight window catches in the league this year. 47. So that could be a good predictor for Larry Fitzgerald's success here. And of course, you have to always talk about Russell Wilson outside the tackle box. This is like, I feel like I, you know, I think I've said this on repeat a million times. Say it again. Anyways, the most throws outside the tackle box, you know, 25%. This is a problem, especially for the Cardinals in this situation. They've allowed the second highest passer rating on throws outside the tackle box. I mean, is that a really surprising? No. Who's the, their guy? Quor- who's the Cardinals quarterback, by the way? It's, I think it's Drew Stanton. Where'd he go to school? Michigan State. There you go. Just wanted to let I you think he's a Rick's guy. Whereas so Kirk Cousins, the Landshark guy, is a Rick's guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're a? Well, I didn't go to Michigan. I only know I went there when I was like, like in high school That's still. Right. But, um, you're, uh, and you're and a I never underage. Guy. I never underage went to anywhere except for sure. Harper's and B-dubs. And Bennigan's. <laughs> and Bennigan's. All right. Um, so there we go. Cards. See, I'll take the Seahawks. Their hearts will be broken because Atlanta has to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, let's get through the uh, the other games that have much less impact. Uh, we get started with the Saints and the Bucks, and I should say. Um, that there is no impact here because the Saints 
can move all the way from the number five to the number three. So they could be a road team as a wild card, having to travel to Carolina or to Los Angeles, um, and they can host a wild card game, um, likely against Carolina. Uh, if they win, that's essentially what their fate will be as long as Carolina loses, is they will win the uh, the division and they will host a wild card game at the Superdome, and we know how much more effective they are in that venue than anywhere else. So a lot of motivation here for the Saints. 71.5% confidence as the Saints come out on top, 28-21. to 21. I've said a lot of nice things about the Saints, and I'm sure I'll have to say a lot more for the playoffs. I'm going to go Bucks here. I'm going to tell you one positive for the Bucks. So Jameis Winston, he's had an 80-passer rating for the season before two weeks ago. In the past two weeks, he's had actually had a almost a 150-passer rating when he's faced the Blitz, two touchdowns, no interceptions. There's some improvement right there for Jameis. I'm trying to find something good. That's fine. And again, the Saints clinched Saints blitz south. fourth most often, too, so maybe that's something interesting there. Yeah, I mean, I, they, look, I, I get it that I guess it really doesn't matter when you're in the wild card round. I believe the Superdome uh, having done games, there are big games, and actually, here I mm -hmm. say this, and it was a game they lost that would have won them the division they lost to it. Remember when the NFC South was like a 7-9 and nine team? <laughs> yeah. uh, I called that game against the Falcons. It's, you know, as much credit as Seattle and Arrowhead get Superdome's right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is so loud. It is such an intimidating environment. Um, I went and to the final four there in basketball. Yeah. Random. So you got to believe the Saints are supremely motivated to get mm -hmm. that three seed, and they get it simply by winning. All right, Brown Steelers. Okay, 87.4% confidence that the Steelers come out on top 31 to 16. Congratulations, Hugh. What a coaching job you've done. Okay, so we had a big talk in this. Why don't you give me another 10-minute speech? <laughs> <laughs> or since you're 0-15, you can just be quiet. You can just have a three-minute <laughs> press conference and just go back to your office instead of a 10-minute press conference after every loss when you're 0 and 12 and 0 and 13 and 0 and 4. Because we don't care about your offensive philosophy when you've won one game in two seasons. Sorry. Can't take you, Jack. It's ridiculous. I'm going to jump in Lake Erie. Congratulations. Don't care. You're 0 and 15. Jump in Lake Erie. It's uh, enough. Okay. So yeah, sorry. All right, Brown so Steelers. Okay, I just wanted to say, we did do a little, like, there's all these questions. A big question I get, even in our production meeting, we talked about it. How hard is it to be 0-16? So, it hasn't happened very often. Obviously, the Lions is Once. the one that we know. But the thing that is a predictor for this season and what happened this season that makes this more, more likely, I guess, than not, is when things started to, s like, they didn't change things that weren't working. So typically, teams will make adjustments to make things simpler or, like, really, like, rely on a run game and just change the way that their, like, tight ends play in order to create better opportunities for their, for their running backs or add an extra O-lineman or something to make, to make a difference. And they haven't changed their play calling very much. So if you're – it's kind of like what's the adage where you're like you, – the definition of insanity is, like, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting and a different result. Expecting a different result. So – they kind of did that, like a lot. Which sounds right. Like it's, it sounds, is right. Sounds about like, right. And that's and that's why like, you know, like people could figure it out. Their their defense isn't as bad as it as it seems given their record, especially their run defense. They have some positives there for sure. But in terms of offense, like keeping Deshaun Kaiser in those situ same situations where he's going to set records for poor play, that's a part of that's on the coach. You too. got a ton of picks. Hit the reset button. Stop trading away quarterbacks. Stop it. Also, that is not analytics. Let me let me be clear. What do you mean? Like when you s what people are always like, they're doing analytics because they're taking um, as many picks in the draft as possible, and that's not exactly that's not that's not my definition. It's not like I, I don't think most people in this profession who do it like that's not like yes, adding more draft picks gives you more options and changes your more swings. It, it, it takes more swings in it. The problem is, is you have to have a cohesive strategy in in order to apply those swings. Well, so sometimes I'm trading up yeah. and it, like trading I'm up just to get to someone. I'm speaking to Podesta who said that Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz were not their type of quarterbacks. So like, I, I I don't know anything about that, but I do know that it's that, not. That's all I'm saying. When you when you make that statement, you better be right. And you're wrong. Right. Not merely hoard, merely hoarding yeah. picks is not an analytics thing. I get mad about this because people get, people are like, oh, analytics failed. I'm like, no, they have like an organizational problem that failed. The Browns? How <laughs> dare you say that? <laughs> Jets, Patriots. New England comes out on top. 79% confidence and the projected score is 31-17. There are two 31s in a row. My model hates 30. So two 31s in a row. That is a big one. 
the uh, the Patriots still need to win to uh, get yep. home field. So they are going to play. Uh, I have not seen a quarterback as inaccurate as Bryce Petty last week in calling the game against the Chargers since I called a Tim Tebow game. Bilal Powell is kind of a bright, bright spot. Bilal Powell was great last could week. Could be a bright spot in this and, week. Uh, and I would assume he'll be great again this yep. week. He's a good back. Yeah. Uh, he's a very good back. Once he gets to that second level, he's got a little bit more wiggle than people may may recognize. He, he's no, a absolutely. Good back. He forces missed tackles at a yeah. pretty high rate. The um, Our research department, this is a really fun stat if you're a Pats fan, and I know we have a ton of them, right? I'll be the judge right? of that. Okay. 23 scrimmage yards is all it will take for Deion Lewis if he gets 23 more scrimmage yards. Patriots will do something that they've never done in the Tom Brady era or in their franchise history. They will have three players with 1,000-plus scrimmage yards in the same season. I'm thinking. They've never done thinking. it. So you got Deion Branch. You got uh, – Deion Lewis. No, no, no. I'm thinking uh, of that season. Yeah, I guess oh. you're right. They didn't have Gronk yet, but they had – so it would have been what? Uh, who would have their tight end have been? Ben Watson? It would have been uh, Watson because uh, I'm thinking of the Corey Dillon year, right? Mm -hmm. When they had Corey – Branch and anyway, all right. Yeah. Hey, so and by the way, the Brandon guys, Cooks, I'm not. Bron Rob Gronkowski, that's Brandon great. Cooks, obviously. So that's a fun and one. And all of them so missed considerable amount of time. Twenty-three scrimmage yards. Save, save Cooks. Right. And Lewis, by the way, forces a missed tackle rate. Top three in the NFL. That's very predictive going forward for the playoffs. The Eagles are locked into the number one. They have Lock nothing to play for. However, I would assume after last week's mess with Nick Get Foles, right. they need him to get right. Uh, winner score. 51.1% confidence that the Eagles come out on top, and the projected score is 26-25. That's a lot of points. Okay. Okay, so, you know, obviously when you look to see what happened, it's all about, to me, third down. Like, let's just talk about third down. So what's Nick Foles done different on third down than Carson Wentz? So Carson Wentz himself on third down has, like, a quarterback accuracy rating. So, like, if the quarterback runs, passes, or, uh, like, rushes himself – or passes for a third down, like he's 49%, so it's almost half the time, then Carson Wentz would extend plays, make it happen. Whereas Nick Foles, that's down to like 27.1, 28%, so sub 30%. That's a that Huge right there, shot. that right there is like, let's just leave that there, and that's, that's what you need to know. You know, that's the biggest yeah. difference. I do want to point out that the defense last week is also something that probably maybe a bit of a, um, a get-right game for the defense, too, looked a little bit. I mean, there were some – you know, some injuries, Brandon Graham, that's a big one. You know, you just see what happens here. Let's just look to see, kind of keep it healthy. It's, it's outside. It could be <laughs> Colvin, the link, um, Lincoln Financial, whatever. So that's something I'm going to be looking right at their defense. Des Bryant saying he's not taking a pay cut. Jerry Jones having to defend Jason Garrett again. Earl Thomas wants to be in. Uh, there's just, you know, the Cowboys drama has returned the final two weeks. Wait, there's drama in Dallas? Season. Yeah, exactly. They're no, the Lakers. It's, it's, you know, it's the Yankees. It's the Cowboys. It's the Lakers. It's what happens. More drama. Every single season. Giants or Cowboys? Oh, Cowboys. You think so? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of drama you know at the Giants, though. Uh, there's drama, but at the same time, it's it was self-inflicted drama, you know, with Ben McAdoo and, and the fact that, the team, you, you looked at that offensive line going into the season. They had no running game. Well, you I just mean like the Eli inevitable. Apple and the, like all that crap yeah, I guess going that's, on. That's a good point. You know, uh, like that's, that's fair. Just Odell drama. Is, is drama in and of himself. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. You know what? 50 50 drama. There we go. New it's York and Dallas. Let's get to the game I've been staring at <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo saving, rescuing a 49ers franchise that has been dormant since Jim Harbaugh left. It is remarkable what happens when you have a capable – I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan, there's a reason why he is regarded as one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. It's clear. The guy's got a quarterback. Look mm -hmm. what happens. They're undefeated since he has a legitimate quarterback. And what a bright future the 49ers now have thanks to, for whatever reason you think they made the deal, maybe the agent wanted a little bit of a favor. He's Brady's agent. They've been doing favors for Bill forever in terms of salary and helping massage that with Tom Brady. But uh, Garoppolo's in San Francisco, and my goodness, what God help you in the NFC West moving forward with Jared Goff, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Jimmy Garoppolo now. And then whoever, what's going to happen with the Cardinals? That's the real yeah, question. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you're the Cardinals yeah. and you've got to figure out a quarterback situation, I mean, look at how bright the future is with two young, very capable quarterbacks. We yeah, called it here first. There you go. <laughs> to the Cardinals. All right, what do we got? 49ers, right, Rams. So and the Rams are resting. Goff, Gurley, a bunch of guys. So, so – for me, before the Rams were resting, the score would have been 27-21 Rams with about 70% confidence. So I just want to show the difference. Okay, yeah. with the rest and with the differences over the past few weeks with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd take Garoppolo if they were starting everybody. 
The man's undefeated. I love it. He just tore apart the Jaguars' defense. The number one defense in the NFL, he picked them apart like they were nothing. They also couldn't pressure him. That's what I mean. That's a little bit of help with the eh, Come on. I don't <laughs> give Staley credit. I, you get no credit from me, Staley. It's all Jimmy G. Totally. Yep, I'm with you. Um, no, so it, it's gotten it's come down a lot closer. Um, I have right now it's 22-21 Rams. It's about a 50.25, like literally 50.3 percent. So it's right it's, there. It is a coin flip in this. It's game. very. I would assume it's very hard for your simulation to do projections. When yeah, with a guy with only the running back replacements yeah. rush for 192 yards. And not to mention a quarterback that's never taken a snap. So correct, which know. is why we, we like legitimately. There's not a lot of uh, – it's based on play calling, and then with replacement players, it's very it's very tricky. Yeah. However, this will give us a good a good estimate um, for the playoffs going forward it's into depth. So we'll know a lot more going forward. What I will uh, simply and point to – by the way, to pick up Malcolm Brown in fantasy if you haven't already heard that message. If you're still playing right. week 17. What I will point to is with the picks they have, with the cap space they have, with the culture that they have created in that front office uh, – if you're in a keeper league, man, I'd be keeping Marquise Goodwin. I'd yep. be keeping Jimmy Garoppolo yep. um, because I, I have I'd be high keeping hopes Matt for Breda. that team. Matt Breda is the Kyle Shanahan special. That's Although I wonder where they pick knowing, you fair. know, fair, fair, who fair. could be available. Oh, you mean like Saquon Barkley? Uh, you, is that what you you're know, thinking? That's, Maybe we've been working that's together a, that's too long. A, that's, that's, you know. <laughs> uh, all right, Chiefs Broncos. Oh, by the way, uh, the Todd Gurley late. Uh, we, we talked about um, usage on Todd Gurley. I just want to point out. Uh, 205 snaps played in the past four. Uh, Lev Bell, 242. So Todd Gurley, we've seen more because we've seen him be like – Great. You see – I mean, he has 19 touchdowns. The next closest is 12. So that's like the real difference maker. But but realistically speaking, I don't think they're overusing him. Like they're like pe- some. I right. think people are like, oh, they're using him too much. No, 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 no. Nice fine. You're seeing it because he's scoring touchdowns, and everybody plays fantasy, and you always see who scores a touchdown. There, he's still like Bell has played more snaps. Zeke, you know, had more rushing first downs. More game, snaps in in three fewer games, by the way. Exactly. So uh, honestly, I'm not worried about his usage one bit. And if you're a San Francisco fan, the other person, if you have some sort of defensive keeper, keep Ruben Foster. He yeah. is really good. Chiefs Broncos. Okay, so in a Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kansas City comes out on top in my model, fifty six point six percent of the time, and the final projected score of twenty four to twenty one. You know who's good at deep passing? Who projected to be? And based on everything, I watched all of his college snaps for a game that doesn't even matter. That's how much I love this podcast. Um, I watched Patrick Mahomes deep passing, and it's oh, he's got a huge a arm. Thing of beauty. His footwork. I wouldn't even call it footwork because there's nothing there. I mean, he's it's it's th- there is no footwork. But my God, does he just he throws? I think he can have, throw a football you know over that mouth. We haven't seen him in his like in his reads or do anything all season right. long. So I Maybe think they that they've it. given him a chance to pretend. And also, if you see kind of how they've been using Alex Smith and the the addition of the deep passing game, there's a chance that in practice and all the reps that they're doing, they've been focusing a lot more on it. So I wouldn't be surprised if his footwork looked a lot better in this game than what I would. envision is a huddle, and it's Tyree Kill, and he says. You can't overthrow me. And Mahomes says, oh, I, I can overthrow you. Mahomes' says, dad oh, no, was you, a professional baseball player. You can't overthrow me. Oh, I can overthrow you. And that's what mm-hmm. it's going to be. It's just going to be one 50-air-yard pass after another to Tyreek Hill, seeing if he can get underneath it. And, by the way, is it Hunt or Kamara for your offensive rookie of the year or someone else? Your O'Roy. Uh, I'd say I'd probably go – Ah, boy, that's tough. I think it might still come down to this week, mm-hmm. you know, because if the Saints win the division, it's probably Kamara. If they don't, because we know the Chiefs won the division, and Hunt has another big game because he'll close strong with these final three games after mm-hmm. kind of disappearing for – although Kamara's been more consistent. I know, right? I'd go Kamara. By the way, both Kamara and Hunt are in my 80 scrimmage and touch people. Yeah. I would go Kamara. Okay. Packers-Lions. Okay. Ugh. 24-21 Detroit with a 59.8% confidence. I think that's a big lie, though, in my – that's my gut. Now, the math says – I read you what the math says, but mm, you know what happened one time? There's this guy named Matt Flynn, and he said, stepped in, and he came, and he threw for, like, 470,000 yards, and he threw for, like, five touchdowns, and he got a lot of money signing with the Seattle Seahawks prior to Russell Wilson, which paved the way for Russell, Russell Wilson to be, quote, the underpaid hero that took them. Basically, the Lions are the reason that the Seahawks are so good now. Because if they had not pay overpaid for Matt Flynn, they would have never had to figure out Russell Wilson. And therefore, 
all Seattle Seahawks fans should be Detroit Lions fans. I'll take it. Perfect. All right. Uh, Bears Vikings. Seventy five percent confidence in a Minnesota win twenty six to sixteen. Yeah, and they have again something to play for. Um, the Vikings can still slip out if they lose and the Panthers win. Uh, they can slip out of the number two and lose their bye. So against a pretty bad Bear team. Um, you want to know like a fun stat? A fun please. like okay. So Ingram and Kamara fifteen twenty combined rushing yards. Okay. Okay. Number two, McKinnon and Murray, one eleven hundred ninety three. How about that? It's pretty funny. It is. And by the way, the Rams are four hundred yard gap between those two. That's how I mean, it's pretty big. Ingram it's pretty big. Been. Again, it's a now, huge Grant and gap. McKinnon and Murray, you know, Dalvin Cook was there for four weeks and he was dominant. And I by mean, the way, number three, back. Malcolm Brown and uh, Todd Gurley, which I think is hilarious yeah, because Malcolm so Brown dominant. contributed one hundred and ninety two of those, uh, which is like nothing. Texans Colts. It's like <laughs> the Canseco brothers home run totals. <laughs> or the McGuire brother home run totals, yeah. 53.3% confidence in the Indianapolis Colts in a 23-20 victory. Texans and Colts are number one and number two in sacks allowed. Colts, 55 sacks. Texans, 52. DeAndre Hopkins, touchdown. Doesn't yeah. matter who's throwing the ball. I mean, it is it is remarkable what that guy has had to deal with in his career of quarterbacks that throw to him, and yet he continues to put up consistent, dominant numbers. And just thinking of a healthy was his uh, catch Deshaun better than Watson. Odell Beckham Jr.'s, yes or no? Uh, you know, to me, a touchdown's a touchdown, you know? <laughs> better than David Tyree. I don't, I don't care how you catch him as long as you catch him. Well, David Tyree in the Super Bowl. Right, right. That it had more consequences. Was right. the, uh, that was yes. the ultimate because it that actually mattered. That was the greatest. Of, I'm just pulling up something real quick because Ooh. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, so even though his passer rating is not great, uh, he's 24th in passer rating. At 81 and a half, and that's just ahead of Flacco, just behind Cam Newton. I'm anxious to see what Indianapolis can get for Jacoby Brissett. Hey, Jacoby Brissett has been under pressure pretty much his that's entire I mean. every single snap. That is, and he's and he's got that thick base. So in the offseason, we'll talk about like projectors for um, success, and and part of success is you know one of those other things that I hate, like you know trust the process and defense travels. I also hate. The best type of ability is availability. It's true, but I hate it. I hate that saying. So one of the things that's a good projector of availability is if you have like a thick base. So thick knee joints, thick hip joints, thick ankle joints. The thicker your joint, the less likely you are to get hurt. That's a proven fact. So I, Russell Wilson has thick joints like that too. So obviously Br Brissett's bigger, but he has those thick joints, which is a good indicator. In the, like That's a good predictor for him. He's huge. I mean, he's a Huge. big guy. He's, he's a, you know, he's a Big Ben type, you know, mm -hmm. Philip Rivers type, six legit, six three, six five, like that range, legit he's like, 220, 230 Like pounds. if you had your iPhone and you like made it just a little bit smaller from Cam Newton, that's more, yeah, he's, he's like that. He's like big. Not, he's not as big as Cam, but he's like, you know, your iPhone just like proportionally. I think just a little bit. That, that's that's one of the, the trades that, that Bill Belichick's going to come out on the wrong side of. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the other one? Um, no, because I don't. I think that that was. I, I really do believe that that was a favor. I think that was a. You're not sending him to Cleveland. We've been too good to you with Tom Brady, uh, you know, because Don Year is the agent for both. And I think that was. You're going to do what we ask you to do, and you're going to send. Because I would imagine Bill probably wanted to keep him. And Never he probably wanted the to power say, of hey, agents in this business. Um, I'm I'm willing to. I've mm -hmm. cut everybody loose. I'll cut Tom loose. I'll send him to San Francisco. Let him uh, live out his right. days there. But uh, they told him he couldn't anyway. Point is, way to go, um, Chris Ballard, and yep. getting Brissett because I think they're going to be able to flip him maybe for like a high second. Something good. Something good. Redskins, Giants. What do we got? Washington comes out top in the model, twenty-two to nineteen, with a fifty-eight percent confidence. One positive thing for the Redskins defense: most defensive pressures per game by percentage in the course of the season so far, thirty-four point seven percent, averaging twelve point five pressures per game. That's ahead of the Rams. It's ahead of Jacksonville. That Saxonville. It's ahead of the Seahawks and Philadelphia. That's cool. Good for them. Good. Didn't mean wins, but congratulations. Hey, I'm just gonna be happy about something. Uh, I hear you. Three predictions now. Confidence index, Cynthia. Okay, so we like a plethora of points here. And remember in the beginning, like the first podcast, it was like always up to sixty. Well, we're gonna go people who have um, at least 50, okay. and I think there's going to be more than 50 points scored. Philadelphia, so the 26-25, Philadelphia, and 
um, Cowboys final score adds up to 51. That's a lot of points. I think Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, people underestimate his ability to throw that deep ball and Kareem Hunt, is he going to work or not? I think there's going to be a lot of points in that one, 24-21. That means 45. And then the Rams, I think 27-21. to 21. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo shows us a lot. He'll score 48 on his own. Well, yeah. Well, Against I think that, that rest in I D. Mean, even though it went down like a closer projected final score, like 22-21, which it seems like a lower final score, I think take that 27-21 and kind of you could you can add those points up accordingly. Garoppolo shotgun, Breed to his right. Two receivers left on third down. Takes the snap, looking, looking. Pulls the ball down. Garoppolo's going to drag it out to the left. Now fires in the end zone. It's caught for a touchdown. There's the sidearm sling. Touchdown 49ers to Trent Taylor. Oh, wasn't that sweet music there? That touchdown pass from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trent Taylor. Uh, Ted Robinson, I believe, the voice of the uh, the 49ers. Uh, He's no Dick Stockton in the Jaguars or whatever it is. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you sharing this podcast uh, through social media, via Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Remember, you can subscribe. That makes it easy on you. Have it automatically download to your device of preference, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And if you wouldn't mind, you will help our podcast grow. As, again, this is our first season. You leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. We have our review of the week. And because it is from Punu2223, I think it uh, works better if you read it, Cynthia. This is a, this okay. is a big-brained individual. Okay. Ooh, as a researcher in cardiology. Whoa. It's really smart. Who works with prediction models and newly enshrined football fanatic. I absolutely love, love this podcast. Especially, yeah, especially Matt. What Cynthia no, it says especially <laughs> Cynthia's analysis. No, no, especially Matt. And then they felt <laughs> like they had to put the qualifier. Punu, I don't need your approval. <laughs> it's okay. I know why people come to this podcast. I'm here to get in the way. Oh, this is very nice. It's going to make me cry like Dan Quinn had at the Super Go Bowl. Ahead. What Cynthia does is really amazing to understand the game at such a deep level and then meaningfully apply it, the statistics and, most importantly, to make it sound so easy to listen. That's very nice, considering I couldn't even read that sentence properly. You guys are among my must-listen weekly podcast, and I have obtained very useful fantasy information as well. Great work so far. Keep it up. That's really nice. We'll Thank try you. to keep it up, Punu. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for doing you. cardiology research. We need you a lot. Darn right we do. I need my brain to be healthy. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> I do. All right. Do. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week uh, previewing the wild card weekend of playoff games.